here's what I want to do. I have a message ready, but you know what? I'm just going to read the Easter story, all right? I think it's just going to speak for itself. We can hear it anew, hear it fresh, and what the Bible says is more important than what I say or anybody else has to say anyway. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 27? You may or may not have your Bible. You may have your smartphone out. Um, but you can just listen to me read, okay? Matthew 27. Uh, Matthew 27 begins with Jesus Christ being delivered to Pilate. And then we know that Judas has already betrayed Jesus. Judas takes those 30 pieces of silver and he goes and he casts them back. Uh, he knows it's blood money. There is guilt that's overridden him. Satan used Judas, all right? He is a user of people. That's the thing. If you give your life over to the enemy and you're not following Jesus, all Satan wants to do with you is use you. He'll make something seem fleeting and good for a moment and then he'll cast you aside because Satan doesn't care anything about people. It's Jesus that cares about people. And Jesus had proven that to Judas, but Judas didn't get it. And so Judas hangs himself, and Jesus is brought back before Pilate again. Uh, there's an option. There's an out here so Pilate can get out of the mess. And he, before the people, says, who do you want? I'm going to do the customary annual thing about releasing a prisoner. And the people chose Barabbas over Jesus. Be careful who you're choosing, right? Let Jesus be your number one. Pilate delivers Jesus over to be crucified. Jesus is then mocked by the soldiers uh, there in the governor's headquarters. They gathered the battalion before Jesus. They stripped him naked and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. I'm in verse 29 of Matthew 27, if you're following. They twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head, put a reed in his right hand, and mockingly kneeling before him, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. They spit on him. They spit on our Savior. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene. His name was Simon. They compelled this man to carry Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. And when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Listen, Jesus chose not to save himself so he could save you and I. He endured that cross. He took that pain. He, he, he readily accepted that ridicule and scorn so that you and I could be free and saved for all eternity. He endured for us. The chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him. And he said, they said, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires for him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, about the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land. You think it's dark out here with these rain clouds. This was a supernatural darkness in the middle of the day so that the very sun was blotted out until about the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment in history, the Godhead was split. God had to turn from that sin that was his son 
Jesus bore the entire weight of all history's sin upon his shoulders at that moment. And Jesus was separated from the Father. If but for a moment, it was the most painful instance of human history, no matter what we've endured or gone through, Jesus took it. And some of the bystanders that were hearing it said, this man's calling out for Elijah. And one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to Jesus to drink. The other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. At this point, it's just sheer entertainment. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We're not talking about curtains in our houses. We're talking about something that was 8 to 12 inches thick, woven together tapestry that was so tall a man could have never rent it with his hands. And yet supernaturally it was torn from the top, the position's important, to the very bottom. The Holy of Holies was then exposed. Jesus made us a way to the Father. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, these resurrected bodies went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that was taking place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Can you imagine the immensity of guilt and shame that those who literally nailed the spikes into Jesus' hands and feet felt when they experienced the trueness of his power? There were also women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea. His name was Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it be given to him. And Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud. They didn't have time to prepare the body properly at this moment, but he did wrap it in a shroud, doing the best that he could, and he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. I've stood inside of this tomb. I've seen the, the, the very uh, bed of rock that was carved out there where Jesus' body laid, and I can tell you right now today, over in Jerusalem, that tomb is still empty. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father God, making intercession on our behalf. Even in the midst of the sickness and the scaredness and the hysteria and the problems of our world, Jesus is still in control. He rolled away, it says, Joseph took the body, laid it in his tomb, and when he had cut in the rock, he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day... That is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made. I want to tell you guys something. Even unbelievers here remembered what Jesus said. And his own followers, his own disciples were scared and had gone into hiding. They had forgotten what Jesus said about his resurrection. Sometimes you and I forget the promises that God has made. Sometimes we forget that in the middle of coronavirus, in the middle of hysteria, in the middle of national shutdown, in the middle of problems, in the middle of pain, in the middle of death, sometimes we forget the promises that God has made to us. But God's promises still stand. He says, walk with me a little further. Believe a little more. Don't let unbelievers outbelieve us about Jesus. These unbelievers are seeing it and the, the, the guards there are told to secure this tomb. Lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he has risen from the dead. So that the last fraud would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting guards. 
And then here it happens. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where they lay him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Listen, there's not only victory here, but Jesus is going ahead of them. My friends, Jesus is still going ahead of us today. I don't have to fear tomorrow because I know my God is already there. He is for us. He is with us. He is in preparation of us. Your God, your Savior has never left you and never forsaken you. You are in complete control. He's got us, my friends. Even when we have to, as a church body, gather in our vehicles out in a parking lot, we can still praise God Almighty for his power and victory that he has won for us. Do not be afraid, the angel told them. And he tells us that today. He's not here. He's risen. Jesus is alive. He's the only Savior, the only God that is active and living today. Then go quickly tell the disciples what's happened, that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's still our mission today, friends, to go and tell people. Listen, there's a whole world out there that's desperately afraid of tomorrow. There are people in their homes shuddering and shivering with fear, thinking maybe the government will bail us out. Maybe the president, maybe the Senate, maybe Congress, maybe somebody else will come up with a vaccine and a cure that will help us. Maybe they'll give us enough money with these checks that are being sent out. Maybe somebody will bail us out and help us. Listen. If that's our greatest hope, we're in big trouble. Jesus is our great hope. And with him, no matter what is thrown against us, the gates of hell will not prevail. We have the power and the victory because of a living Savior today. So they departed quickly from the tomb. And listen, they were fearful, but they also had great joy. That's not an oxymoron for us because we can be afraid of stuff today, but still have confidence in the Lord. And that confidence brings great joy. And behold, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. This is Matthew 28, verse 9. And they came up, and they took a hold of Jesus' feet. That means that they were in a position where they were down on the ground before him, a humbled position, which is where we are today. They worshipped him there. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had taken place. And when they assembled with the elders and taking counsel, they gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers. They were buying them off. And they said, go ahead and tell people that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread amongst the Jews to this day. Then the Great Commission comes, guys, and this is where Jesus walks with us into the future. To the eleven disciples, Judas being dead, they went into Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What does it take for you to continue to believe? Listen, come out here. I don't care if it's raining anymore. It's sprinkling right now. What does it take for us to believe? We have been given life, we've been given breath, we've been given the Spirit's assistance, we've been given answers to prayer, we've been given everything as far as glory is concerned. And yet sometimes we still doubt the Lord's power. I'm telling you guys, some do, but we don't have to. 
Jesus came to them, even the doubters, even those with little faith, even those with mustard seed faith. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the glorious news, guys. The greatest thing in the world of all history happened on this day almost 2,000 years ago. Because Jesus arose from the grave, it proved that every prediction, every prophecy, and every promise of God is true. That Jesus could overcome death, hell, and the grave for us. So that all who put their faith in him would be saved. And this is glorious news for us because, guys, if Jesus comes back today, I'd be okay with that, all right? Amen. Anybody amen in that one right there? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear tomorrow because we know who holds our hand. We don't have to be afraid because we know that the moment anything in this life happens to us, you know, we love Tori and Billy Booher. And we know that what just happened here recently was such a tragedy. And we've been praying for their family and lifting them up and interceding for them. And people have been fasting and taking meals and, and just thinking about them. Man, I'll tell you what, guys. Billy Booher. A young man who just a few weeks ago, I hugged his neck. His wife's still in the hospital. Their babies are with her parents. Billy went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. A couple, just, just not very long ago, a week, week and a half ago. Billy was the ultimate example of this today when we think about resurrection. That from this body, to be absent from this body, when Billy met his last, took his last breath, just a couple of weeks ago with Tori on the back of that motorcycle with him. Listen, guys, as painful as it is to think about, that man is in the presence of our Jesus today. That is the hope of every believer here. So that no matter if we live a day or 50 more years, that when we've trusted Christ as our Savior, God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And listen, guys, the end of the age for us is eternity. It's, it's, it's forever in His presence. To be absent from that body is to be present with the Lord. Guys, I'm telling you this. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, man, we're crazy. Man, we're, we are crazy to come out here in this. Listen, we made sure that with the government officials that we had permission so that y'all wouldn't be getting $500 citations and I wouldn't be getting arrested, okay? But we made sure more so with the Lord Jesus Christ himself that we could come before him and proclaim the gospel so that whoever's watching, whoever's listening, if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's the simplicity of faith like a child. If you will cry out to him, Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I believe I accept Jesus as my Savior. The Bible tells us that you will be saved. But then you will be set on a new path, and it's not an easy path. For as Christians, we walk a difficult path, but we walk it with the Lord, hand in hand. We have the Spirit to live within us, and we have hope, unlike the rest of the world knows. We have a glorious hope today above all days because of the resurrection of Christ. Easter Sunday is the greatest day to ever happen, and we rejoice in that this morning. Guys, it has been such a blessing to be able to come out here and endure a little bit of rain and get a little bit wet and to see all these vehicles, man. Um, listen, to see Brother Ben, I haven't got to see him in weeks. And uh, I thought he would look a lot like a caveman. But he doesn't. He looks good. He's even shaved up this morning. To see Miss June, to see our brothers and sisters, to see kids, to see people, to see young and old alike. Guys, this tells us of the tenacity of faith of believers. We have a radical faith that nothing and no one can keep us down. We are going to overcome this. We're going to overcome this together. And you know what I believe is on the other end of this virus? When we don't have to social or physical distance anymore, I believe people are going to start coming back to the church in droves. I believe people are going to embrace one another 
another and love on one another. I believe people are going to be hungrily seeking the Lord Jesus. I believe they're starting to do that now, and we have this awesome opportunity to tell them about our Savior and Lord. So don't, don't miss the opportunity, guys. God, he has a plan in all of this. This isn't just happening without him being aware. He's using us to strengthen us, to build us, to grow us more like Christ. And I'll tell you this last thing. As surely as the resurrection happened, so will the rapture. One day, Jesus, who came and overcame death, hell, and the grave, has also promised us that he's going to come and take his bride, his church, with him. All those that are saved. And listen, guys, we know that that could happen any moment. And we want to be prepared for that. And so, guys, as believers today, uh, we may want that to be years off. We may want it to be today. But we need to be prepared either way. Because Christ is coming back. That's his promise. And it's as real as an empty tomb. We love you guys. Man, my family and I love y'all. I finally even got back on Facebook, all right, just so I could see some people. So if you're a Facebook follower, man, come come check it out. Um, Follow us on Facebook because that's where we're live streaming our stuff. We'd invite you to do that. And guys, we're going to pray. We're going to sing one more song, and then we'll start opening up these lanes here in just a minute so that you guys can be dismissed. What a blessing it is to have y'all out here. We are overwhelmed. You don't know. Teresa was just saying, she said, I'm about to cry seeing all these cars out here, and I feel the same way. It is so overwhelmingly awesome to see you guys. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, this is the day that your promise was signed, sealed, and delivered that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, that sin doesn't hold a chance. It can't even hold a candle to what you're doing. We know, Lord, that uh, just a few days later, after you sent your disciples on, um, you were on this earth for 40 days, that the Holy Spirit came on that day of Pentecost. Lord, we know what happened. Today, we're spirit-filled believers because of what Jesus did and what he's promised. And God, we rejoice in hope. We are overcomers and victors in Jesus himself. And God, even though we're going stir crazy in our homes, even though we're ready to get back to Walmart and the golf range and everywhere else that we go and live and do things, Lord, we know that we have a hope. And today we count our blessings because we're alive, because we have breath in our lungs, because you've taken care of us and delivered us time and time again. And that's the future promise of hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Easter. Thank you for all those that are here, all those that are watching, all those that will watch. Lord, we pray a blessing over them and their family. Keep us safe, Father. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.